0: Hi, I'm Pastor Kenneth Olusaya of the Vivified Ministries, and it is my joy that your heart is awakened to the finished works of Christ with such powerful simplicity. Are you ready? All right, here we go. Praise the Lord! Hallelujah! Such a very powerful session. Where you are right now, I want you to just keep praying and worshiping. Come on, just lift your hands, raise your voices, and just worship the Lord. Thank you, Jesus. We love you, Lord, because you first loved us. (laughs) Thank you, Jesus, for your mercies. Thank you for your compassion that never fails. Come on, keep praying where you are stare yourselves up. Get ready for the word. Get ready for the word. (laughs) Glory to Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Daddy. Lord, we thank you for the privilege of fellowship. We are here with you in your presence. Whether we are in our houses, we are on the road, we are together by one spirit. There is no distance in the spirit. And we are grateful to you, Lord, for this privilege to listen to your word, to be revived, to be strengthened, to be edified. We pray that this will be remembered for years to come, that everything we learn will stay with us and it will translate into action in the name of Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Let your love ever be on display to us. May our eyes see you. In Jesus name. In Jesus name we have prayed. Amen. Amen. Praise God. I am so excited. This is Crazy Love Conference 2020. Are you excited? Glory to God. We've made it this far and I'm so glad that you're here. Um, wherever you're tuning in from, whether in the country or out of the country, I just want to say Welcome, welcome, welcome. It's so good to have you here. We love you so much. We are glad you are here and you're fellowshipping with us for this conference. We are so glad. Corona has got nothing on us because we're still together and I hope you're all keeping safe and you're well. Alright, so we're just going to dive right into the word. We have so much for you today. So get out your writing materials, your Bibles, get ready to learn at the feet of the Lord. Praise the name of Jesus. So uh, I'm going to be doing something very special because I have noticed that when it comes to the person of the father, a lot of questions come up because you can't exactly have a textbook that explains to you who this person is. You can't exactly just have a scientific research to understand the nature of this person we call God. In a world where we have many people serving different kinds of gods, the question is, who is the true God? And even if we know the true God, the question is, what is he like? How can we know him? How can we understand his character? And that's what we want to do today. A lot of people have raised questions about God. And I just want to start on this note that it's okay to ask questions. It really is. Sometimes we condemn people. Stop asking that question. How dare you blaspheme me? But I want you to understand that God's heart towards you being inquisitive, even though sometimes you might have doubts. I tell you that his response to those kinds of questions is not one where he's angry at you or fed up. He wants you to know. He wants you that after you ask those questions, you actually get the answers to them. Do you understand that? I want to give you some examples. Let's start with a guy called Thomas. You know him, right? We all judge Thomas. If you've never judged Thomas, then I don't know. You're, you're special. We you know who Thomas is, one of the disciples and apostles of the Lord Jesus Christ. After he, after Jesus had died and he was resurrected, he appeared to all the disciples. Remember that, right? He appeared to all the disciples. But Thomas wasn't there. And so eight days later, I mean, they must have been telling this guy, Look, Jesus came. He appeared. He was like, No, until I feel the wounds in his hands and in his side, I won't believe. No, there's nothing you can tell me. Till so we saw him for eight good days. No more sign of Jesus. So he was still doubting, like, if he's the one then why is he not here? Why can't we find him? And all of a sudden, the Lord appears and tells him, Peace be unto you. And he just walked in there. And immediately, the the Bible tells us this. It's in John chapter 20 from verse 27 to 29. He just goes to Thomas and says, No questions asked. He already knew what was in the heart of Thomas. Feel my hands. Feel me. Touch the wounds. Check my side. It is me. And immediately, this is what it says. Uh, He responds and says, My Lord and my God, he exclaimed. And Jesus told him something. First of all, I want you to see Jesus' willingness to help his faith. You see that he knew Thomas had doubts, but he wanted to help him out of that place of doubt to a place of clarity. Do you understand that? And so he did that for him, but he also said something further. In verse 29, he said, You believe because you have seen me. Blessed are the ones who believe without seeing you. Blessed are those who have not seen but they believe. That's far greater than you believing because of sight. Another example is someone you, you know very well. By name of John the Baptist, right? The foreigner of Jesus, cousin to Jesus. He came on the scene. He, he spoke about Jesus so enthusiastically in fact he found him and he looked to him he said look behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world he announced his coming but after a while he got you know entwined with political affairs he got locked up and after several months passed a long period of time he had been there In fact, let me read it to you, Matthew 11 from verse 2. He was there at the time, I don't believe Jesus had visited him in prison or checked up on him. So he was alone, he was with himself, he was in a dark place in his life where he knew execution awaited him. And then it says John the Baptist who was in prison heard about all the things the Messiah was doing. So he sent his disciples. So he had heard word. He heard Jesus was preaching. In previous verses, he had gone to different places to preach. So he knew what was happening. But he sent his disciples. He says, go and ask him. Are you the Messiah we've been expecting? Or should we keep looking for someone else? That's what he asked. That's in Matthew eleven two. He asked. He told them to ask Jesus. Are you really the Messiah? So it's possible he was asking from a place of emotional vacancy he felt neglected abandoned this is the person that I, I i showed to the world and he's doing all these things yet i am rotting here in prison help me find out is he really the christ was i mistaken when i once said behold the lamb of god and so they did <laughs> and it's so important that you understand how jesus reacted says are you the Messiah we've been expecting or should we keep looking for someone else and Jesus told them this go back to John and tell him what you have heard and what you have seen the blind see the lame walk those with leprosy are cured the deaf hear the dead are raised to life and the good news is being preached to the poor these were things that the Messiah was prophesied to do And he told them, look, I do these things right before your very eyes. So go tell John, I am who he says I am. And he added, God blesses those who do not fall away because of me. Now, Jesus added that clause. After he helped him with his doubts, he said, but blessed are those who don't fall or stumble because of me. Those who don't at any point start to shake in their faith. Blessed are you. Even though you don't see but you can believe, blessed are you. And in fact, it's very funny. If I were in his shoes, I would like. After I've sent them, even if I manage to just say, Okay, let me show you that Messiah, you can go and tell you. After they've gone, can you imagine? I hope you're not like him, all of you that are following me. I hope you're not like him. That you will come and if you like, go and he didn't say that. In fact, when he continued speaking in this same chapter, he said, there, was no, there has been no man greater than John the Baptist. He started to he started to wind the guy. He started to talk about him. He elevated him, commended him that because he has seen the reality of Jesus. That all the prophets who had prophesied, he was the one who saw the reality. He commended him. There is no man greater than John the Baptist. So it goes to show that God is not offended you have questions he wants to bring you out of your place of doubt Hmm, that rhymes beautiful he wants to what bring you out of your place of doubt praise jesus but you see as believers we have a responsibility we have a responsibility to help people out of their doubts we do i'm going to read from colossians chapter 4 from verse 5 to 6 if you have your Bibles, just open them where you are. Colossians chapter 4, from verse 5 to 6. And this is Paul speaking. He says, Walk in wisdom towards them that are without, redeeming the time. And then verse 6, beautiful. He says, Let your speech be always with grace, seasoned with salt. That you may know how you ought to answer every man. So it says you should know how to answer people's questions. You should be able to walk in wisdom with all men and be able to give them answers to their questions in, in a way that wins them over. Do you understand? That's why he says, Seasons with, season with salt. And then First Peter 3, verse 15. Very, very important scripture when it comes to the discipline of apologetics. First Peter chapter 3 verse 15. I love it so much. It says, But sanctify the Lord God in your hearts. And always be ready. See that. Always be what? Ready. To give a defense to everyone who asks you a reason for the hope that is in you with meekness and fear. So he says you should anticipate that people have questions. They want to know in this generation Z that we're in you can't tell a child do this the response is why? calm down (laughs) they probably tell you to calm down because it's a different generation they want to know why should I stop doing that? why should I go there? but it is your job as a believer to give them the answers that they require praise the name of Jesus so this is how this teaching is going to go we are going to look at some seemingly um, possible contradictions that a lot of people kind of have people just are not sure about God's character anymore so there are just some things in the bible or in in the narrative of scriptures that just makes people apprehensive like first of all you people say there is a God then you say he is a God of love he is good But what about this? What about that? You know, some people say that God is not just. Why do good people suffer bad things? And why do we see evil men, evil women, prospering? Why do we see them succeeding? Is God not unfair? Some people say God is silent. He's dead. He's distant. We can't hear him. He doesn't speak to us. And some just... In fact, that's one I heard recently, which just shook me. I'm like, how? Someone said that God is a pervert. You know what a pervert is, right? Because he fellowship with naked Adam and Eve in the garden. I'm like Like how do you how do you? Anyways, but it's real. People have those concerns. And some people just say, you know what? God hates in us. He can never love someone like me. So what we're going to do is we're going to walk through some of those contradictions, handle them one by one, and then present to you what is true about this God that we serve. Because as you well know, the theme of this conference is heights and depths. There are heights and depths in the love of God. We're going to talk about that much later. but you need to know that we can serve a God. We can know him more. We can dive deeper than we've ever gone before. Praise the name of Jesus. So to mention a few, um, some of the contradictions that I, I, I can say by, by by heart are you know Noah's flood. What happened in Noah's flood? Literally God wiped out not just a nation, he wiped out everyone, every single person except a family of eight. <laughs> every single person. How can you tell me that God is good? How can you tell me he's a God of second chances? You think of Sodom and Gomorrah, how he wiped out an entire city. Wiped them out, every one of them with fire, literal fire. You talk of a case where an evil spirit was given to Saul. From, it was said in, in the book of 1 Samuel that an evil spirit from the Lord came upon Saul. And you ask, why is God giving people evil spirits? Another one you you think about is Job's affliction. What happened to Job? How can you tell me God was good? That he would allow the devil, in fact, not even just allow the devil, use the devil to inflict Job. These are real concerns people have. Some talk about Ananias and Sapphira. Why did God smite these people dead? Because they didn't give. Not that they didn't give at all. They gave a portion. Even though, yes, they lied about it. Everybody lies after all. Why did God use that to correct them? In fact, there was no correction, there was no correction, there was no second chance. It was, you're going to go. See ya. Bye. That was it. Boom, job dead. The wife came in. He said, just as your <laughs> hey, as your husband, the same manner. Oh yeah. Get ready, get ready. Boah. Oh yeah, you guys carry. It was serious. And I'm sorry I sound comical, but it was serious. When people have those concerns about this, God. You know, why would God tell Abraham? his only son i thought god doesn't tempt with evil i thought he doesn't test people i thought he's a good god and then we think about paul's thorn in his flesh why was there a thorn in such why didn't god take away that thorn in paul's flesh he was a servant of god but many times paul was beaten he was persecuted even to the point of death, why would God forsake those he has called that he loved? If you say he, would, he would sustain them with long life. Why are they dying? So these are the concerns a lot of people have. And you probably, at a point in your life, have had those concerns. Like, am I really serving a good God, a loving God? But before we dive right into this, I want to explain something. I want to explain something. Some of us can't wrap our heads around the fact that we see a type of god in the old testament this guy i mean let me see if i can come up with any he looks like zeus that just has a lightning bolt ready like any small mistake i see i did, see i he's about to slap that again. that's the idea people have this tyrant who just wants he can't wait he's looking for an opportunity to get rid of you And then we now look in the New Testament and we just see this rainbow monkey, fluffy marshmallow God. Oh my God, he's so nice, so cute. How do you reconcile this two? How? And that's what we're going to do. Is is the God of the Old Testament, is, is he different from the God we see in the New? If he is, there's a problem because the Bible tells us, he is the same yesterday, today, and forever. He doesn't change. So if he changes, then he cannot be God. So we have the dilemma. We need to solve this ASAP. Praise the name of Jesus. But I want to tell you something. The Bible tells us something very powerful that would help clear every doubt you might have about this. Because at no point in time have we ever seen God. The Bible tells us, we've not seen God at any time. We've not, we've not beholden him. We've not seen how he's like, how he acts. But the Bible tells us something. There is a solution. There is, there is a way to decode the mystery of God in the Old Testament. There is a way. We have a decoder now. By the person of Jesus Christ. So if you go with me to Colossians chapter 1 verse 15, you're going to see it there. Colossians chapter 1 verse 15 says that Jesus, who is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of every creature, he is the I love that I love that illustration. He is the image of an invisible person. If you want to understand someone or something that you can't see, look at a visible representative. Look at a invisible a, a, a depiction of that thing that is invisible. Do you understand that? And that's what he says Jesus is. In fact, Hebrews chapter 1 from verse 1 to 3 says something very similar. Hebrews chapter 1 from verse 1 to 3 says, God who at sundry times and in diverse manners spake in time past unto the fathers by the prophets, have in these last days spoken unto us by his Son, whom he had appointed heir of all things, by whom also he made the world, who being the brightness of his glory and the express image of his person. He is the express image of the Father. Express. He reveals the Father is what it's trying to say. You have not seen him with your two eyes. But guess what? When you look to Jesus, you can see the Father. Oh, this is beautiful, and I want you to stay with me. All right. Jesus said something in the book of John chapter one verse eighteen. Yes, we're going to open a lot of scriptures, so I hope you're ready. First, um, pardon me, John chapter one from verse eighteen. It says, "No man has seen God at any time." Yeah, tell me about it. <laughs> Jesus told them. No one has seen God at any time. But the only begotten Son, which is, the, which is in the bosom of the Father, he had declared him. Simply put, he says, the only begotten Son, that's himself, who is in closest fellowship with the Father, at the, in the bosom of the Father, has come to declare the Father. That's what Jesus is saying. So you've not seen him, but I can help you. You've seen God as a mystery, but I can help you. I can decode that mystery for you. I can decrypt it so that you can see him for all that he is. I will declare him. Praise the name of Jesus. He says something in John chapter 3 verse 13. He said this. He says, pardon me, let's go to... John chapter 10. John chapter 10 from verse 37 to 38. This is what it says. It says, If I do not the works of my Father, believe me not. But if I do, though you believe me not, believe the works that you may know and believe that the Father is in me And I in Him. He's saying, if you see me do something, you best believe the Father is doing the same thing. Because the Father is in me and what I am in Him. Very powerful. In fact, let's go to John 3, 13. Let's go there. John 3, 13. Oh, this is so powerful. This is what it says. And no man hath ascended up to heaven but he that came down from heaven even the son of man which is in heaven. Powerful. No one has and if you read the story carefully he was in a way dissing Moses. Even when you read from, first, uh, from John chapter 1 verse 18 he had just said the law came by Moses but grace which is the truth came by Jesus Christ. Alright? Grace, we the truth came by Jesus Christ. He said, no man has seen God. It was not this to Moses that even Moses himself hadn't seen God. Yes, we say, oh, he saw the backside of God, but he hadn't seen the fullness of God. So, Jesus is saying to you and to me that he came to reveal the Father. He's in the best position to reveal the Father to you. Let me ask you a question, like for me personally, <laughs> let me use my story as an example. My dad is, everybody knows, my dad is a disciplinarian. He's so strict, he's so meticulous. If I move this, I hope he's not streaming live sure. I, I, I hope, I hope I find somewhere to sleep. Um, if, you, if you move this by an inch, he will know. He's so meticulous he can see the littlest detail right and sometimes his facial expression is it looks like he's uptight he's always like uh, how are you god bless you oh. you know that's how he is but and you know how he is he's one of the funniest people i know people don't believe me when i say it people don't believe me he's, he can tell you jokes tell, <laughs> some things that will leave you rolling on the floor i'm, I'm not kidding but how would you believe me when you haven't seen it for yourself. So if you want to know how my dad is or how he interacts or how he behaves or what his heart is like, you look to those who have closest relationship with him. You ask me, you ask my mom, you ask my brother. And we can tell you categorically, he is this way because we have close fellowship. We've seen him. And that's what Jesus wants to do to reveal the father he's in the best position to do that praise the name of jesus i'll read some more scriptures just to confirm this john 14 verse 10 john chapter 14 verse 10 says this believest thou not that i am in the father and the father in me the works that i speak unto you i speak not of myself but the father who dwells in me he does the works he's saying i Father, there is a unity, there is a fellowship unbreakable that we have. So if you see me do it, the Father is doing it. Then look at this John chapter 5, verse 19 to 20. This is so good. Oh, this is so good. I promise you. John chapter 5, from verse 19 to 20. It says, Then he answered and said unto them, Very, very I say unto you. The son can do nothing of himself, but what he sees the father do. For what thingssoever he doeth, these also doeth the son. Likewise, for the father loveth the son, and shows him all things that himself doeth. And he will show him greater works than these, that you may marvel. What is trying to say is this: Look, if you want to know how God ever acted look to Jesus. If you want to know how God will ever act look to how Jesus acted. Praise the name of Jesus. If you look at Jesus and what you do what you do see is contrary to the God of the Old Testament then it it tells you something that something is unclear somewhere. But he is telling you he is in the best place to reveal the Father. The issue that we have at hand is, to be very honest with you, in the Old Testament, there was limited revelation. I I want to get somewhere. In the Old Testament, there was limited revelation. These people knew there was a God, they called him Yahweh, Adonai, Jehovah, Rapha, whatever name they could come up with, because all they could see were the signs, the works that he did for them right if he provided for them Jehovah Jireh if he healed them of their disease or healed their land Jehovah Rapha they could only understand him by the things he did for a time there was limited revelation but you see what Jesus wants for everyone to see is that he came to display the father The perfect representation. So if you're ever confused about who God is, you look to him and you see such a powerful depiction of the Father. Praise the name of Jesus. So you see, in the New Testament, in the new covenant that we're in, we're no longer in shadows. We can see clearly now by the Son and by the Spirit. We can see. We're no longer confused. We ought not to be because we have all that we can see and find in jesus he reveals the father to us praise the name of jesus so what i'm going to do right now is i'm just going to go through some of these uh contradictions that we mentioned ahead uh before and we're just going to address them little by little and i'm going to show you also how that in the old testament some of them got it right some of them had a glimpse into the person of, of, of God, the Father, right? And I'm going to show you that uh, in a very short time. So let's, let's just go through a couple of them. Noah's flood, right? It's one that has bothered a lot of people at some point in my life. It bothered me too, that he, <laughs> that he, he chose to wipe out everyone. But a lot of people just jump to conclusions. What kind of God is that? Mass genocide killed every single person on the earth. But what you need to realize is this there is a difference between justice and evil i'm going to say that again just in case you didn't hear it there is a clear difference between justice and evil justice simply means giving the people what they deserve based on their actions if you do good you should be rewarded if you do evil, you should be punished. And many of you are like, No, no, no. God is different. You should be able to forgive anyhow. But question. When we heard of cases during the time of justice for Uwa, many of you screamed at the top of your voice. How? How could these people who did this go scot-free? How? They need to be punished. Some of you, for, for the sake of they shouldn't be able to do these things again, so they should be punished. So they shouldn't do it. They won't get to do it with other people. Some of you are just hateful. Like these people deserve to die. When we heard of George, of, of George Floyd, we're shouting justice for Floyd with the police officer who knelt on his neck to the point of death. You were you were angry. He, that police officer and all his accomplices need to be not just I mean stripped of their position. They should be imprisoned. You wanted justice, you called out for it. Now to you, you might be like, that's none of my business. Whether they punish them or not, I don't care. If that were your sister, if that were your mother, who was raped, would the story be different? Would it matter to you that you want justice for them? It will. And so God is so good that he gives you what you deserve. That's where we get our sense of justice from. But you see, justice is different from evil. Evil is when for no reason you choose to inflict harm on people, regardless of their actions. Justice is who God is. God is just. Praise the name of Jesus. So, when it comes to the, the issue of the flood, before God would execute justice or judgment, He always, and I tell you, Very, very confidently, He always gives a window of grace. He does. He always gives you a chance to turn away from your sins. Gives you a chance to repent. He will send prophets to warn the people. He will send messengers to tell them, Repent! Repent! And he did the same here in the case of Noah. The Bible called Noah a preacher of righteousness. He told Noah, tell the people that in in, in the coming days there will be a flood. My wrath against sin will come because the earth is full of sin. It's full to the brim and it's overflowing. The cup runneth over. (laughs) That's what was happening. And he told Noah, tell them. See, anyone you can, tell them. I want them to be saved. But you know, a very common... Misinterpreted scripture is Genesis chapter 6, from verse 3, where it says, My spirit shall not strive with man forever, for he is indeed flesh, yet his days shall be 120 years. Um, this was not exactly given a definite lifespan for humans, right? Because even after that time, after the story of Noah, we saw people living up to several centuries. So he wasn't putting a limit to the age. It was a countdown till the end of all the people. Literally, my spirit will not strive with them. So from the time when Noah heard this instruction, build an ark, take all the animals, do all of this. It took, it, it took between 55, when you do the calculations, um, you, you, you'll see that it took between 55 to 75 years to complete the ark before the floods came. Think about it. You had close to a century to repent, yet no one, not a single person, repented. That that has to be a failed evangelical ministry. How in seventy-five good years? Notice, uh, and there are many reasons which I wish I could mention as to why that was the case. But we found that only Noah and his family trusted in the Lord their God and were saved. Did God give them a chance to repent? He did. He didn't give them a window of grace, he did, but then he gave them justice. Praise the name of Jesus. Second, one we'll think about is the case of, of Sodom and Gomorrah how there was fire rained onto the city. Right? We you know the story is devastating, very gory, but before that, before that happened, the, the narrative was that God approached abraham said "I, i cannot keep this thing from my friend abraham and it's a very cute way to look at things because it just shows you how god was not willing to show anger on these people he was not willing to destroy them so he spoke so now let me give you an example let me give you an example imagine you hear that your child did something really bad you're married you have a child and you did something and the child did something really bad but you just you don't want to punish this child you want this child to change their ways if you really want to beat the child all you need to do is i'm going home right now you go remove your belt that's the end case closed you you judge the child but if you want the child to be different to adjust you say beastie tell your brother i'm coming home now tell your brother that if he does not i will if he does not, I will. So that's a chance for repentance. And so he called Abraham. said, yo, uh, Abraham, uh, so there's this project we're about to undertake in the city of Sodom and Gomorrah. It's a demolition project. Uh, we just uh, wanted to consult your expertise on this. Uh, so we are we're thinking that if we find 40 good people, just 40, uh, uh maybe we can have a chance so abram was like oh lord okay uh, if we can find 40 no problem said uh let me check nope 30 uh let me check nope uh let lord maybe 20 if you can find 20 let's not destroy that land uh let me check nope to the point that only lot and his entire family were the only ones that trusted in the lord their god the only ones who were deemed righteous in the sight of the Lord by their faith in Him. Justice had to be done. It was so bad. Do you know how, how bad that place was? That they would want to have an affair with the angels that were sent? It was so bad. And do you know how bad it was that the Lord has to say, No, for you to even commit this, I'd rather you just take my daughters. Even though he himself, I don't know what he was thinking. But he was like, just take my justice. I can't afford you to do this terrible act. But did God give him a chance? He did. Now, this is, <laughs> this is one that has bugged a lot of people. Because of time, I'm, I'm moving ahead, hoping that this gives you better perspective on the character of God. But you see a case where, a very funny case, First Samuel chapter 16, verse 14. This is what happened but the spirit of the Lord this was after Saul disobeyed when he offered the sacrifice when he shouldn't have and was stripped of his kingdom but the spirit of the Lord departed from Saul and an evil spirit from the Lord troubled him ah it will. <laughs> let me not get on God's bad side because he can give me an evil spirit that's, that's, that's what you start to think but remember we started with this that if you want to understand the works of God you look at the works of Jesus question is what do we see Jesus doing in the New Testament not giving evil spirits quite the opposite he's casting out evil spirits freeing those who were oppressed of the devil praise the name of Jesus so I have a very strong reason to believe that because there was not so much, if you check the Old Testament, there wasn't so much mention about this person called the devil or Satan or demons. So anything that seemingly looked supernatural to them, they would have sent God. Whether it's good or bad, God has to be the one. We don't, there was, check it out, except maybe in the story of Job and a few other places. Nowhere else was there a revelation of the devil in the Old Testament and that's why if you look at verse 15 in fact you see that the connotation of the Lord gave an evil spirit came from is from the servants that were there it says it in verse uh, 15 and Saul's so servants said unto him behold now an evil spirit from God troubles you like like he, he couldn't tell that there was something troubling you Said, behold now an evil spirit from the Lord but they are the ones that said it because they don't have the best revelation of who God is but we see better in Christ Jesus hallelujah we see how he delivered those oppressed of the enemy three those under torment countless of them that's the work that God is doing right now he delivers those who are oppressed of the devil hallelujah now we see the next one in the case of Ananias and Sapphira very very dicey situation because this is even a new testament situation this happened post uh, resurrection of Jesus and the question people ask why did God act that way? but you see one thing I believe is that any gift that God gives, in fact we see it clearly in 1 Corinthians 14 is for the edification of the church is for the growth of the church for comfort for encouragement for betterment that those who experience this gift have their needs met and they are better for it but when there is a display of power that does the exact opposite is questionable you need to ask why was it done that way was it done with the Intent for which it was given. So when we see the narrative of Ananias and Sapphira, we see that these people, after the the situation happened, you know what happened, right? There was great fear that came upon all these people in Acts chapter 5. Great fear. They were afraid. But we see that the gifts of the Spirit are not to instill fear. No, in fact, the Spirit of adoption is who we have received. When we can even feel closer to God and say, abba father praise the name of jesus so something here is dicey what i can say and you don't have to accept this but i want you to see from this perspective that it is possible it is possible i mean if you look at the new testament you see that there was a guy who had sinned so badly that he was having an affair with his stepmother and how did paul handle it just as you held her hand, the devil will hold your hand and take you into the lake of fire. Now, is, is that how he handled it? That you ju- he said, know ye not that your body is the temple of... He reminded him with knowledge, revelation knowledge. He disciplined him for a time. excommunicated communicated from the church. But did she kill him? No. So what I'm trying to put to you is that there is a possibility of an abuse of power sometimes when we look at the case of elijah it bothers me sometimes and his his uh, protege elisha elijah was afraid he was summoned by the king at the time he was afraid even if his life was in danger and the king sent 50 men and their captain to call for elijah and elijah was afraid he saw them with their with their weapons, their their, their swords, everything, and he was afraid, but was like, no, 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 if I be a man of God, that fire from heaven consume you, boom, barbecue, nice yeah, just like that, on the spot, they sent another group of men, sent them to him, 50 of them, plus their captain, 51, same thing, same words, if I am a man, he saw it, so he was like, ah, they're coming again, I know what to do, Expelliarmus (laughs) expelliarmus <laughs> and all of them wiped out They sent another batch i'm, I'm like ah, this king said send another batch and all of them said calm down <laughs> calm like this do like this calm down don't destroy us we don't need really, what we'll want to bring you the king stands for us and just like they was like oh that's what you should have said since cool and this guy we, let me say wasted a hundred and two men who had families who had children, they were serving the king, they were doing their job. And a hundred, about a hundred families, lost people dear to them. Because a of a man's show of power. Another time Elisha was walking, he was of age, and because he was bold, the king, the, the kids around teased him. Ah, look at him. Hey, Glory Makbah, Glory I makba. And he just looked back. I curse you in the name of the Lord. And all of a sudden, the Bible says, was it two she bears came out and tore all these children? Tore them to pieces. And their parents were probably at home cooking. Ah, oh, Junior is coming home. He did well in school. I can't wait. And you hear what? What happened to my child? Tell me, what happened to my child? Madam. Is the Elisha, What happened? Our prophet, what did he do? He said, he said that he was angry And, and, and he, he, he said I don't know that but He's the one that killed them How? Think about it guys Maybe you've not put yourself in those situations What I'm trying to say is There is a possibility That the power of God indeed can be abused Can create harm Can create Can be used for something it shouldn't be used for and Jesus spoke about this in the book of Luke chapter 9. Ah, it's so powerful. Luke chapter 9 from verse 52. Luke chapter 9 from verse 52. He said this. So, they had just come down from the Mount of Transfiguration. They had seen Moses. They had seen Elijah, star boy, fire boy. The best fire bender. In fact, Moses, water bender. Elijah, fire bender. Combo, Right? They had seen them. They have been so excited to see these guys. And they were ginger. They came down from the mountain. but going to Jerusalem. So they were going to pass um, the village of the Samaritans to get there. But they didn't allow them. They said, no, we've heard of you troublemakers. No, you won't pass our land. You won't pass here. And see how Peter, James, and John responded. Look at this. And when the disciples, James and John, saw this, they said, Lord, will you command... That we command, without that, sorry, pardon me, without that, we command fire to come down from heaven and consume them. Even as who? Even as Elijah did. Even as what? Elijah did. But Jesus turned, say he turned. He turned immediately. And the Bible says he rebuked them. He said, You know not what manner of spirit you are of. For the Son of Man is not come to destroy. Mm, pay attention. For the Son of Man is not come to destroy men's lives, but to save them. But to save them, and they went into another village. You see that. It was like, guys, calm down. It's not that serious. We will just take another route. You're already imagining things with this power. And best believe because Jesus had conferred power on them, they had power. But he rebuked them. He said, no, you don't know what spirit you're of. The Son of God didn't come to take lives. He came to save them. So it's possible that power, even from God, can be abused. Because of time, I'm just quickly going to go to two more cases. We're going to talk about Paul's thorn in his flesh, right? Paul's thorn in his flesh, somehow, like, why, why did Paul have to go through all this? Where was God? Why was God silent? So something happened. He had such a supernatural encounter, caught up to the third heaven, beautiful things he saw there, very beautiful, and after that happened, he said this in verse seven of Second Corinthians twelve, verse seven. Unless I should be exalted above measure, lest I should feel very high-shouldered or proud, through the abundance of the revelations I had received, there was given to me a thorn in my flesh, the messenger of Satan to buffet me lest I should be exalted above measure so what you see here is this that the source of this affliction was from where? the devil some have said God can give illness, give sickness to teach you a lesson so he gave Paul the in his flesh so he will not be proud was it God? he specifically said a messenger of Satan and a lot of people have interpreted the thorns in his flesh as many things. Is this sickness? Some said that there was a time where Paul had eye defects. This is what he was talking about. But the question is, is that true? Go, don't go too far. Just go to the uh, 10th verse. And you see it clearly. Therefore, I take pleasure in infirmities, in reproaches, in necessities, in persecutions, in distresses for Christ's sake. For I am weak then, for when I am weak, then I am strong. He said it. I take confidence in my infirmities, in my weakness, in persecutions. So that's what was happening with him at this time. He was being persecuted. To show you that, look, you might have seen all the power of revelation, but you are still a man who needs a great God. So he was humbled. The devil inflicted it, but God got, brought good out of it. That he was humbled from the experience. Praise the name of Jesus. God doesn't punish you to teach you a lesson. That's not who he is. He's a good father. His word is enough to correct you. His word is enough to teach you. Praise the name of Jesus. And I'll just talk about this last time before we move on. And we uh, call this session to a close. There was a case of a guy who was born blind from birth. You know the story, right? They, They were passing the disciples and Jesus in in the book of John chapter 9. So from verse 1, As Jesus passed by, he saw a man who was blind from his birth. And his disciples asked him, saying, Master, who did this sin? This man or his parents? They already assumed that it has to be something he did that caused this. Was it him or his parents that, that caused him to be born blind? And Jesus answered, Neither had this man sinned, nor his parents. But that the works of God should be made manifest in him. This is beautiful. So, some have said God made this man blind. So that at the end of the day, he will take glory from his blindness. To prove that he is God over all and he is good. And that just sounds absurd. Jesus clearly says this here that it was not because of his sin that God was punishing him, making him blind but that the works of God should be made manifest. Question, what are the works of God? And Jesus said, I must work the works of him that sent me while it is day. The night cometh where no man can work. And how did Jesus display these works of God? What do we see? Immediately he went down, carried clay, spat in it, moved it around. Put it on this guy's eyes. Told him, wash in the pool of Siloam. And come back. And this guy received his sight. What are the works of God? That you'll be free from oppression. That you'll be free and healed from diseases. That blind eyes would open. Praise the name of Jesus. That deaf ears would hear. Hallelujah. That is powerful. And we see Acts 10. Verify this. Acts chapter 10 from verse 38. It says, How God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Ghost and with power, who went about doing good and healing all that were oppressed of the devil, for God was his him. How will God support a cause if he once in the past was against that cause by inflicting people, by oppressing them? So we see that truly, truly jesus came to not just show the heart of the father but the works of the father came to show him in his fullness to us hallelujah so we are no longer in the shadows we can see clearly glory to god our eyes can see clearly by the spirit we see god now in the person of christ hallelujah so what i want to do now is even from the old testament i want to show you places of people who had a glimpse the right revelation of who God is at the end of the day what we see is that God was not somehow reformed in the New Testament he was revealed he wasn't reformed he wasn't transformed he was just explained to us praise the name of Jesus he didn't change he's been the same he's been consistent his love has been consistent consistent his goodness has been consistent for all generations Praise the name of Jesus. So I'll go through a couple of them quickly. Of some people who had insight. And the reason why this is the case is this. I love using this example. If I show you an iPad, for example. Right? I show you the device. And I show someone who is maybe 10,000 BC. Show him the same device. I time travel. Show him. How would he describe this device? He would say this is a black box with um, something shiny, glossy on top, that when I press this button it brings light, when I press this button it closes, when I do this it moves. Very basic explanation, he's not wrong but he doesn't have in-depth understanding. But if I bring it to you a millennial, 21st century folks, what is this? Uh What kind of question is that? The iPad, handheld, uh, microcomputer, able to process data, do it this way, connect to the internet, do this, do that. And you just blow our minds with how much knowledge you have of it because you are in a day and a dispensation of revelation. You understand what this is. So they had limited revelation in the Old Testament, but we have the fullness. But I want to show you that even with the limited revelation that they did have, God was consistent. His love was consistent. His goodness was consistent. Jonah chapter 4 from verse 1 to 2. I'll read it very quickly. Jonah chapter 4 from verse 1 to 2. It was after Jonah had preached. One of the shortest sermons you will ever hear. <laughs> it was up to a verse. That's how short it was. And he just told them, repent or God will punish you. And these people repented. The king repented, the animals repented. That is crazy. It just shows you that if God is really wants, like, he, if He's intentional about you, nothing is too small, no words are too few to help you repent. And He was angry. You mean you, mean you, you actually forgive these people, God? After all they've done in the world, they've destroyed lives, they've done this, you forgive them just like that. And many of us are like Jonah. There are some people we think we are better than, who have done all this, who have done this. They have stolen, they have lied, they have fornicated, they have done this. How can you just forgive them? And I've been in church all my life. I'm in 10 service units. I pay my tithe without fail. How did you forgive this guy? And why am I not as successful as him? Jonah was angry. In verse 2, he prayed to the Lord said this, isn't this what I said, Lord when I was still at home that is what I tried to forestall by fleeing to Tarshish I knew the reason why I ran was not because I was afraid of these people, because I knew that you are a gracious ah, that you are a gracious and compassionate God Slow to anger and abounding in love, a God who relents from sending this was an old testament prophet who had such insight about God's goodness. He says, God who relents from sending calamity, slow to anger. Ah, <sighs> that is beautiful. Let's see the book of Hosea, chapter 3, verse 1 you're going to open up a lot of scriptures but it's going to be very very good for your understanding Hosea chapter 3 from verse 1 the Lord said to me go show your love to your wife again though she is loved by another man and is an adulteress love her as the Lord loves the Israelites though they turn to other gods and love the sacred raising kings so he was using Hosea's relationship as a demonstrative prophecy of his love for his people he said even though now these people are still rebellious looking to other gods i still love them i still love them even though your wife hosea goma she's strayed away from you go after her don't just wait some of you are just like if the person offends you they should come back now i'll wait i'll forgive her, but they should be the ones to come back but god's kind of love is no i will chase you If I know where you are, I'll chase you and I'll find you. And I'll receive you again and I'll forgive you. Just as the Lord loves Israel, love your wife again. He said to Uzziah. Powerful. Nehemiah chapter 9 from verse 17. I love this one. Nehemiah chapter 9 from verse 17. It says they refuse to listen. In case you didn't get the gist, the Israelites are stubborn. (laughs) Very stubborn people. But God's love was more stubborn Hallelujah It was more stubborn Verse 17 They refused to listen And failed to remember the miracles you performed among them They became stiff necked And in their rebellion Appointed a leader in order to turn to their slaves But you are a Forgiving God Gracious and compassionate Slow to anger and abounding in love Therefore you did not desert them the same kinds of words that Jonah spoke, he Nathan, said the same about this God. That means some people are missing something. This is what they saw when they saw God. Oh, glory to Jesus. Nahum chapter 1 verse 7 says, The Lord is good, a refuge in times of trouble. He cares for those who trust in Him. That is the God we serve. Isaiah chapter 54 verse 10 I love this one Isaiah chapter 54 and Verse 10 It says "Though the mountains be shaken And the hills be removed Yet my unfailing love for you Will not be ah, Glory to God That is huge The mountains Do you know why he used mountains Because they are one of the things you never think of Of shaking But if they should be moved Best believe and my love cannot be shaken Ah, Talk about assurance Glory to God Yet my unfailing love for you Will not be shaken Nor my covenant of peace be removed Says the Lord Who has compassion on you The Lord has compassion on you Dear listener Dear believer he has compassion on you Maybe you are not a believer yet He has compassion on you And his love will not fail Glory to God. Jeremiah 31 verse 3. We are leading up to the most explosive of all of them. But let's look at Jeremiah 31 verse 3. The Lord has appeared of old unto me, saying, Yea, I have loved you with an everlasting love. Therefore, with loving kindness have I drawn he spoke to Jeremiah and by extension, the people who Jeremiah was speaking to as a prophet, that I have loved you with an everlasting love. I have loved you. How long does the love last for? Forever. Everlasting love. Praise the name of Jesus. Now I want you to open your Bibles to this one. This is a big one. Psalm, Book of Psalms. Chapter 103, from verse 1, we're going to read to verse 14. And then we'll call it to a close. Verse 1. Are we there? Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me, bless his holy name. You know the song. Bless the Lord, O my soul. You know it. Let me not sing. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and let all that within that is within me bless His holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all His benefits. What are His benefits? You see a column there. He's listing out the benefits to you now. I want you to pay attention. Verse three: Who forgives all your iniquities? Who heals all your diseases? Who redeems your life from destruction? Who crowns you with loving kindness and, a t- and tender mercies. Oh, this is beautiful. Who satisfies your mouth with good things so that your youth is renewed like the eagles. The Lord executes righteousness and judgment for all who are oppressed. He will do right by them. That's what he's saying. Verse 7. He has made known his ways unto Moses and his acts unto the children of Israel. The Lord is what? Merciful and gracious, slow to anger, and plenteous. Stay plenteous with me. Plenteous in mercy. He will not always chide. That means He will not always punish or or deal with. Neither will He keep His anger forever. He has not dealt with us after our sins, nor rewarded us according to our iniquities. See that. He's been patient with you, so not reward you with your iniquities at that moment. For as the the heaven is high above the earth, so great is his mercy towards them that fear him. As far as the east is from the west, so far as he removed our Ah, trust, as far as the east is from the west, he has removed your transgressions against you. I, like as a father pitieth his children, so the Lord pities them that fear him. For he knows our frame and he remembers that we are dust. This tells you that the God yourself is merciful, he is kind, he is forgiven. This was, this was in the Old Testament, this was a glimpse. What do we see now in the New Testament? Ephesians chapter 2, from verse 4 to 5, says, But God, who is rich in mercy, for his great love, wherewith he loved us, even when we were dead in sins, he has quickened us together with Christ. By grace we are saved. Hallelujah. Praise the name of Jesus. Ah, glory to God. We see Romans 5, verse 8. But God commended his love towards us, in that while we were yet sinners. Christ died for us. Hallelujah. God loves you. God loves me. Not just with a, a type of transactional love or contractual love. He loves you with an unfailing love. An everlasting love. If you've ever been in doubt of God's love for you, be reminded of this. If the mountains will ever shake His love for you will never shake. Never will. It's not even a prayer. It's a fact. His love for you will never change. Praise the name of Jesus. I want to end on this scripture. In James chapter 1 verse 17. James chapter 1 verse 17. It says that every good gift and every perfect gift is from above. And it comes from the Father of light, in whom there is no variableness, neither shadow of turning. If you're ever in doubt of the Father's heart, look to Jesus. Because every good and perfect gift comes from above. I want you right now in this moment to just pray with me And just be assured of his love. Remind yourself of his love. And appreciate him for it. Lord, thank you. Because the veil is taken away from my eyes. I can see clearly. Thank you, Lord. There's no more darkness. There's only light. I can see you. The doubts are taken away from my life. I see you clearly. The times where I'm unsure. Thank you, Lord. Because your son assures me. When I look to Christ, I see you. When I see his works, I see yours. Lord, thank you. Thank you for your great love, your mercy, your tender kindness towards me. Even when I didn't deserve it, you stayed and you loved me. Thank you. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord, for your love. Thank you. For your compassion. Thank you. Oh, thank you, Lord. Oh thank you Lord While we were yet sinners You came for us This is the news that will never grow old You took the first step With your love You have drawn us to you While we were yet sinners You died for me You died for everyone listening You gave your life You expected nothing in return You gave it freely for us We love you daddy we love you Lord. I want to extend this invitation to anyone who hasn't experienced this love for real. To anyone who hasn't made the decision right now to to just surrender. Enough is enough. Wherever you might have held up some pride, wherever you feel held back by your past, I promise you, there is nothing too great for God to forgive. There is nothing you can imagine. The worst of sinners, Jesus loved them. He ate with them. He fellowshiped with them. He's a friend of sinners. Maybe you've lived your life in sin and in darkness. This is a call to you to experience love. Love is calling out to you. God is calling out to you. He did something for you because he has to give you what he deserve. He gave Christ in your stead. So Christ died for your sins. The death he deserved, he died it. He was buried so that when you identify with that, your old man is taken away. And he was raised to life after three days. So that you will receive everlasting life. It is yours only if you believe. He loved you so much. He gave his son. If you believe and trust in Him in this way for your salvation, you have everlasting life. You get to live forever with Him in His presence for all eternity. If this is you right now, I want you to just mention it in in the chat section, wherever you're streaming from. Just let us know that this is you. And say this with me. Lord Jesus, I thank you I recognize that I am a sinner I recognize that I've messed up I've been in doubt all my life about your love for me but not anymore I see it clearly I see the abundance of love displayed in your son and I receive your son Jesus Christ as my Savior and also as my Lord from this day I believe that you died For my sins, to forgive me of all my sins. You were buried for me and you were raised to life. I believe in you and now I have been raised to life. Thank you, Jesus. I live my life submitted to your Lordship. I am not alone in this world. I have a hope that never fails. Thank you, Lord i am saved i am born again i am forgiven and i am loved by you thank you lord in jesus name we have prayed amen congratulations to you those who made this decision is the best decision you will ever make in your entire life i promise you you are not too far to come home Alright, so thank you for being a part of this. Just indicate, we want to know you. If you made a decision, let us know. We'll reach out to you to help you grow. We need to let you know how um, to take the next steps in your faith to help you grow consistently in in a beautiful family of love. We love you here at Purify. So do let us know so we can reach out. Thank you. God bless you. I am super confident that this has been a blessing to you keep praying with it and let these words drive you to action to live in the fullness of the will of God for your life. Stick around for more. God bless you. I love you.